singing this rooftops the uh the lord just really began to uh minister to my heart out of uh, romans 12 and hebrews 12 and i just want to share i'll start with romans i mean with hebrews 12 it says and you can stand you can stay standing or just where you are uh therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that's you and me he said who for the joy that was set before him that's you and I we're that joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God that's where he is. He's at the right hand of God. But as we were singing the, that song, Rooftops, what really kept rising up on the inside of me is, I believe today there needs to be a declaration. When in that song we were singing, we kept singing, so I'll shout out your name from the rooftops. I'll shout out your name. From the rooftops I'll proclaim that I am yours. <clears throat> I'll proclaim that I am yours. And all that I am, I place into your hand, your loving hands, and I am yours. I am yours. I, I just really believe many times we, we do stuff just out of tradition. I think sometimes we'll sing and not even hear what we're singing. But I feel like the Lord is saying today that he wants a declaration of your will to say, God, I am yours. I shout out your name. I am yours. Hebrews 12 says we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I don't, I'm not about feeling I'm just about presence, and there was an amazing presence of the Lord in here just wanting us to know He's here. You know, it's amazing to me that we gather and gather and gather, and then when, we, when the presence of the Lord shows up, we act like we don't know what to do with it, right? And I'm just training my, my spirit man to hear. Every time I come in, I don't just say, okay, it's Sunday, and I've got to preach. And, you know, people, I've had a couple people say, well, you're going to preach today. I've heard me preach a lot. And here's what I know. I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. And I've got a lot to say today, and I plan on preaching. But here's the thing. The, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, missed their visitation because they didn't see Jesus. They didn't expect him to look the way that he looked. They didn't expect him to come. Uh, as a carpenter's son. They didn't come. They expect to see him just walk among men. And they discounted the experience and the encounter they had because it didn't look like they expected it to look. I'm telling you, if, if we're going to encounter him, there has to be a putting down of what we, uh, of the familiar. You ever heard the statement, familiarity breeds content? You know, that's very true in relationships with people, especially in leadership. If you're in leadership, you can get too close to someone if they're not mature. And as you get close to them, then they can't receive from you anymore because of your leadership, your familiarity. They just see you as their friend, not as their leader. Are you with me? I, I'm not, that doesn't mean that 
leaders have to be elitist and they have to be separatist. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying is that familiarity can breed contempt. And the same thing is true, I believe, in the, in the presence of the Lord. We can just get familiar with the presence of the Lord. And if there's not a charge for us to change, because I'm telling you, every time you come in His presence, there should be repentance. That doesn't mean you start telling all your bad stuff. That doesn't mean you start declaring all your sin. Repentance means to turn, to change. Every time we come into the presence of the living God, there needs to be repentance. Are you, are you with me? I'm not talking about declaring your sin. I'm talking about declaring His righteousness over you. There's a turning from that old mindset into embracing Him for who He is. And when He says that you're something, you agree with it. Whether you feel like it or not, you agree with it. Huh? If he says you're righteous, then every day you should stand up and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. See, we sang about for that song forever, and we sang about him being resurrected, that he's alive. And we went into the little tag, he's alive and I'm alive. Did we sing that or did I just sing that? Okay. I didn't know if it was me or us. So sometimes I just go off by myself. <laughs> He's alive. I'm alive. That's the Bible. That's Colossians 2. It talks about that we were buried with him. Therefore, we were raised with him. Romans 6 talks about that. Romans 6, it says, we've been raised with him. Don't present your bodies as members of unrighteousness. You know what that means? That means that we have an opportunity to, to choose. I shared with our stream last week that there's always, every, uh, every time, you've get, you're given an opportunity to choose. Am I going to respond in the spirit or am I going to respond in the flesh? And if your spirit man is not the leader of your life, you will respond out of your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. And if they're not renewed to the truth of the word, you'll be led astray. And you'll say, God, why did you do that? And he didn't. You made the choice. Josh came. He said, I got this word. And he said, it's kind of, it was where Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I'll pick it up again. And he said, I just feel like the Lord is saying there's things that we need to lay down. And he said, but the thing that the catch in it is when we lay it down, we have the power to pick it up again. You didn't hear me. You can lay something down. We've all done it. Well, I can't speak for you. I've done it. We come to the altar and we just say, God, I give it to you. I give it all to you. I just let it go. I give it to you. Before we get back to the seat, we're already worried about how God's going to handle it. You know what? You didn't let it go. He won't put his hands on it when yours are because he's wanting us to let go. And the next thing he said, Josh told him, he said, man, I had this picture this, that the Lord gave me this week, and it was like an, an illusionist. And he said, you know, when you watch an illusionist, uh, uh, a magician or whatever, if you know the trick, it takes the punch out of it. It takes the thrill out of it. You're pretty much just done with it. Are you understand what I'm saying? If you know it, a sleight of hand, if you know how they do it, you go, oh, I, I know what that is. If you don't, you can be enthralled. You can be uh, captivated by it. But once you know the trick, then it loses its power. That's a good word, Josh. See, when we, once we know the tricks of the enemy, how do we know the tricks? Because we, we learn the truth. Once we learn the truth, the tricks are exposed. He's the same. He, he, he uses those same lies over and over and over again. He just packages them a little differently that he did in the beginning. He had no authority. See, Flip Wilson said, the devil made me do it. That's a lie. He has no authority to make you do anything. What he needs is your agreement. 
when you agree, and how do we agree? We Primarily, we agree through our mind, will, and emotion, through our soul. We make agreement with the lie he tells. If that's fear, then we go over into fear. If it's truth, then we walk in truth. And I'm telling you, the more that we walk in truth, the more the power of that truth is released in our lives. I'm preaching for those who wanted me to preach. The power of that truth is, this week, uh, I hate Savannah's working because I wanted to share this testimony. Last week, we had our kids come up. It was so powerful. Our kids were the ministry team last week. Our kids did almost all the ministry. If I had just let one of them preach, they would have done it all. Because they did the artwork. They did the ministry at the end. Huh? Man, if you missed it, you did. (laughs) But the kids, they ministered, and they came up, and we brought Jeff Forsyth forward. Jeff had valve replacement I had a valve replaced in his heart on Wednesday but when we came down all the kids surrounded Jeff and Savannah she's my girl Savannah said looked at me and said what's wrong and and Jeff said it's my heart she said okay and she put her hand right there on his heart and she got right in his ear and she went after it she went after it and when I went to see Jeff on Tuesday pre-surgery we were sitting in the in the uh in the admitting area and he said I just got to tell you he said I wanted to text Savannah but I didn't want it to seem inappropriate me texting a teenage girl he said but when she put her hands on me and when she went after he teared up he said powerful powerful just powerful powerful it impacted him now I'm glad it moved him spiritually what I wanted to see was him healed and it doesn't discourage me that it wasn't in that way at that point But I know what encouraged me is to see these young people going after it. Here's what I will tell you. In the hospital, they said his surgery would take six hours. It took three and a half. His recovery has been supernatural, except for he had AFib. And they said, well, that's normal to go in AFib. Majority of, when you have a valve replacement, majority of them will go into AFib. The the nurse, the the nurse who's over, uh, tells you when you can go home, whatever that is, dismiss, whatever her name Discharge nurse. She came in and she said, they say 60%. She said, I, she said, I've been doing this 35 years and it's a lot more than that that see the AFib. Anyway, they treated it with medicine. Medicine couldn't get to do anything. It was still there. And they said, well, if something doesn't happen tomorrow, they're going to have to take him down and shock his heart to get it back in the rhythm. It was not bad AFib because it was staying in normal levels. It wasn't going crazy, but it was, in, it was still AFib. And I said, no. Dad and I went down to see him yesterday. I said, uh-uh. We're going to shock this heart back into rhythm. I'm telling you, there's, as you stay in the Word and you understand who He says you are and you believe that to be true over the lie of the enemy, you walk in a different place. You don't have to yell to, scare the, to, to try to run the devil off. How many of you know He knows when you're just in fear or when you're in authority? It's, it's funny that we think we got to get loud for the devil to hear us. Because now we're in authority. No, many times all that is is a manifestation of fear. (laughs) I'm sorry, it's true. I'm not sorry, it's true. It's just a manifestation of fear fear that we're trying to hide with getting louder. So we were there and we prayed. I didn't even lay my hands on his chest. He he preferred me not to because he had to look like a zipper because they had him stapled shut. But we just began to speak life over him. And I just said, God, I call the rhythm of heaven into this heart. AFib, you got a name. You got to go. This morning, I got a text from uh, Peggy, and she said, no AFib. 
So what we can do is we can go, oh, well, it was just the medicine. No, they, they had run the medicine. They had taken him off of it because it wasn't doing any good. I'm just telling you what I know. But there comes that time when we don't have to get loud and we don't have to pray recited prayers. All we do is hear from heaven. And then we just declare what he said. Jesus said, I only do what I hear, see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. What that, what that, the key ingredient there is hearing, not hurting, hearing. That's what Romans 10 talks about. Faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. That word hearing is continual hearing. And hearing by the word, which is the rhema, which is the speaking word. Not the spoken, the speaking. You tracking with me? Bobby and I were emailing back and forth the other day. I don't remember what day it was. We're emailing back and forth, and we were talking about uh, some of that. And uh, this, the rhema and the logos and the difference and things like that. And he said, so we, we should be seeking the rhema. I said, no, we should just be in relationship with him and know the logos and the rhema will come. He goes, huh, it all comes back to relationship, doesn't it? I said, it all comes back to relationship. Any step out of relationship is a step into religion. Because religion is formulated. Religion says you've got to do this, 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 and this so that you can get this. Relationship says you might do this and then do this, but here's what he gives. Because you're hearing his voice. In this day, it's crucial that we hear his voice. There are many voices. There are many voices. There are those that appear they come and they appear to be light, but they're darkness. And the way that you know the voice is you know the one who's speaking. How do you know the one who's speaking? Relationship. It comes back to relationship and to knowing him. So in that relationship, when presence of Holy Spirit comes, then there's opportunity for divine exchange. Come on, that's good news right there. When presence comes, when he comes, he doesn't just show up so we can go, oh man, the Lord was here. He's always here. He lives in us. But when the manifest presence of come, what he's wanting to do, it's that multifaceted glory of God being revealed. It's just like that diamond. Every way you turn it, it's his grace that's being revealed a little bit differently. And as it's revealed a little differently, He's allowing us to make a time of transition where we shift from what we've always known to what he is saying. And when we allow that to happen, we, we take a step out of religion and into, because, you know, you don't, nobody likes it in this culture to say, I, you know, say, are you religious? No, I'm not religious. But every bit of us, got, every one of us got some of it in us. And the more we're in his presence, the more that's revealed. And sometimes it's not even the, the churchy stuff. It could be something totally different that he shows you. I, I've shared one time before, he told me, he said, Todd, your devotions have just become religious because there's no life and no expectation in them. Is it wrong to do devotions? No, that was an easy one. No, it's not. But when you do them just out of religion, when you do them just out of repetition, not going in, expecting the God of heaven to speak to you, then you've become religious. 
And that's what the Pharisees had done. They had it so programmed and it had it just spelled out just exactly like they wanted it. When Jesus come doing something different, saying something different, they didn't want it. They didn't want anything to do with it. So as we were singing that song, as we were singing Rooftops, he says, so I shout out your name. From the rooftops I proclaim that I am yours. And in Romans 12, he says this. I haven't read that yet, have I? Nope. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, this is the New King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove, that you might demonstrate what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It doesn't say that you might prove yourself to God to be perfect and in His will. It says, no, as you renew your mind, you demonstrate the perfect will of God. Why? Because as we renew our mind, we hear what He says and we do what He says do. That's how we're transformed. Transformation is not this thing that I have to do. It's this relationship that I live in. Are you, with? you can be seated because I'm not stopping right now. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So let's just break this down just a little bit. He said, I, Paul speaking, beseech you. I ask you earnestly, therefore, in light of everything I've shared with you, I ask you to do this. By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So who's doing the presentation? That wasn't hard. You present your bodies a living sacrifice. Who's doing the presentation? We are. We present our bodies a living sacrifice because of what he's done. Because we sang about that Jesus died and that he's alive. Now, I'm alive. We sang about all those things. But there has to come that place in our lives, I want you to hear me, that when we don't just sing those things, that we live from them. And as we live from them, that's the place that our mind is renewed. That it, that over and over and over. This week, especially this morning, the Lord has just been ministering to my heart about the opportunity that we have in presenting ourselves. That He doesn't control or manipulate us. We're not uh, little marionettes on a string. That we have a will. He created us that way. Amen. But He said in that will, we have opportunity to partner with Him. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. I see, I really believe that the presence of the Lord is here today, and he's here for shift. I think there's people that have been just, you feel like you've been hitting your head against the wall, and sometimes it's just because we do what's familiar, not what he's saying. <clears throat> and, and the Lord is saying that it, when you say, I am yours, he's saying, that's what I want you to do. I want you to present yourself to me that you are mine, that you are that living sacrifice. And he said that by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he said here, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable. That's not what you do. That's what's been done. This Ephesians says that we're born again in true righteousness and holiness. 
That's how we're born again, in true righteousness and holiness. So here, when he says that we, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, we can get hung up on that and say, I've got to be holy, acceptable before I present myself. He said, no, I took care of the holy, acceptable. Your opportunity is to present what I made holy and acceptable. And as you do that, you're not conformed to this world, but you're transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind that you might demonstrate, that you might live out, that your life will produce the fruit. It's what that means. Of a heart that's been made new. It didn't get made over, it got made new. Are you with me? So as we come into that encounter with him, it's in a... The purpose is that there's a shift, there's a transition in the way I think. And in that, there'll be a transition in the way I pray. There'll be a transition in the way I read. I'm going to tell you, last night, I'm I'm just going to be totally transparent with you. The past couple of weeks have been just amazing, the presence of the Lord that showed up here in worship. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to do anything but lay on the floor because his presence was so real. So yesterday, uh, I had a busy morning, and it was in the afternoon before I got to just settle down and start spending time with the Lord, and I slipped back into that rut of, I've got to prepare something, because I'm probably going to have to preach tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about, but... So I'm there, and it's just like I'm hitting my head against the wall, because I'm endeavoring to do a thing. I'm not desiring to spend time with him. I'm endeavoring to do a thing. Are you with me? So I I do everything like I always do. I put on my worship music. I start reading the Bible. And then this thought comes in my head and I get distracted. And I go do this thing for a few minutes and I come back and I'm I'm supposed to be spending time with the Lord. So I go back and I do this thing again. Are y'all hearing me? So I got, it really got exhausting to me, just being totally honest. It got exhausting because I'm like, God, how, how do you follow that? He said, you don't follow that. You follow me. Because if you get into following that, you'll get in a ditch. So I said, all right, Lord, I just want to spend time with you. I just want to know your heart. God, I want to know you. And it was like a veil lifted. It was like there was, but it, for those hours that I was there, I mean, I got tired. I got sleepy. I would doze off. I'm just being honest. And I'm like, man, what the world? Lord, they expect me to say something. <laughs> Even if it's wrong, they expect me <laughs> to say something. <clears throat> and again, he was just speaking to my heart. Okay, so are you going to speak to them? Or are you going to hear from me? Huh. Huh. Wow. Well, I hope y'all get something out of it because he's just, he's messing me up. Listen to this. Colossians, this morning as I was here in worship, this is, Totally not what I was going to preach today when I finally prepared something. <laughs> and that's probably because Tish has been praying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
I might get there anyway, Tish. But Colossians 2, verse 6. Yeah. I haven't been watching a lot of the, the NCAA tournament. It's not because Carolina's not in it. It's not it. I just, to be totally honest, it's kind of lost its draw to me. The closer you get to him, you, you know, and there's nothing wrong with liking sports, okay? Don't get in a ditch with me. There's nothing wrong with enjoying sports. Downtime is a whole lot better than other junk you could be enjoying to just sit in front of the TV and watch or go partake in. But I got, last night I was, uh, uh, when I came downstairs and got ready for bed, it, it was around 11 o'clock, and uh, I opened my iPad because I was going to read some in the Bible because that's what you're supposed to do before you go to bed. And uh, the, the, the bad thing about opening your iPad versus opening your Bible, when you open your, your Bible, the NCAA app doesn't open up and tell you what the score is. <laughs> you with me? But you open your iPad and you've got that app. It's going to tell you what the score is. And tell you that it's an upset in the making and it's only two minutes left. And you, you can get real spiritual and go straight to the Bible. Or you can go watch the game on your iPad because it'll come up live right on your iPad. So I have my worship music on and I'm watching Kentucky win. But what I noticed in that you see, here's the thing. You can watch those things, but you just see differently. Because I watch commercials, and I watch people painted red and white, and people painted blue and white, yelling, screaming, praying. When it was like nine seconds or something left, and the dude gets fouled for the three-pointer, and Wisconsin can go up and where they have to have a three-pointer. The anticipation is building. And they're on the, there's these girls, and the camera goes to them, and there's a girl like this with the red and white on her face and all over her clothes, and she's like this. I'm like, over this. I'm not sure who she was praying to because he didn't do it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I could. I couldn't help it. <laughs> that was a joke. If you want to be offended, have at it. But that was just a joke. He hit two of them, but he was one short. The guy from Kentucky went down, hit the three. They won. But I watched all of this that these people are totally given to their team. We talk about, we sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The lamb is overcome. We sing hallelujah. That word hallelujah, hallel, it means to act foolishly and clamorously. And we, we sit in our place or stand in our place and we watch people who may dance or some people who may do something and we go, wow, they just get a little carried away. They get a little carried away. They're laying on the floor. Really? This is church. That doesn't look right, and it sure doesn't feel comfortable to me. They're shouting hallelujah. Some of them are talking in language I don't understand. This can't be right. I promise you, you watch 
Monday night, you have an assignment. Watch the championship. No, Kaylin ain't going to be that long. <laughs> watch the game and watch the people and how committed they are. You can have one, and there's going to be, they're both going to have blue on. There's different shades of blue. Yukon and Kentucky. I, mean, I, I really don't care at this point. We've got Kentucky fans in here. I think it's cool. Yukon girls are playing. Aren't they playing for the championship? I think it would just be really cool that they both win. That'll upset some people here who like Kentucky, but... I really don't have a dog in the fight. But watch, okay? Not to see who wins, but watch how people, you'll have Kentucky fans and UConn fans right beside each other, and the UConn fan is not worried about offending the Kentucky fan. As a matter of fact, sometimes they'll try to. They will taunt them. Ha, <laughs> Able, able, able. <laughs> they will act a fool. That's what David did. But see, David's value was on the presence of the Lord. Not on a long worship set. Not on a song that stirred them up emotionally. But understanding. See, we've got to know the difference of being emotionally stirred in the presence of the Lord coming in the room. Because we can be emotionally stirred, and that's good. You see that a lot. You see that in youth services. You see that in adult services. We come in, we have a service. People get emotionally stirred, and they go out, and they are transformed glory to God for 48 hours. Because, why? Because they're living off the residue of what the Lord did in that service. They're not... Pressing into more revelation understanding, there wasn't a true repentance. There was an encounter. But if you don't take that encounter into him, into his presence to know him more, then in a few days it'll wane. Because what you're living off of is a memory, not a relationship. And when we live out of relationship, the goosebumps can go. But we've been changed because there was genuine repentance that took place. So we don't walk the way that we did. So when we met this morning as uh, the worship team and leaders in the front room and when we prayed together, what I prayed is that every person who came in this door today leave changed. That they leave changed. That they leave happy, mad, or something, but they are changed. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all this within me. Bless His holy name. that it wouldn't just continue to be that same thing that just happens over and over and over again. Because I'm telling you, the culture of heaven is, is being embraced in this place. The realities of that world are being seen in this place. And when it does, it affects our physical bodies. It affects everything about us. But as we, we have to, with that, renew our minds. Because if not, then we'll just get familiar with what's happened and not be open to what he's saying. So we can make a good place just be good enough instead of going for the best. And that's him. That's knowing him and encountering him and his relationship. Man, it, there's, there's so, so much more to who he is. 
And what he's calling us into is relationship. You know, um, Colossians 2. Let me just. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How do we receive him? By faith. Do we, do we receive him by performance? No. no. We receive him by faith. He said, as you received him, walk in him. Right? So as we received him by faith, we walk in that way, not in performance. We received him uh, by faith through grace. We are born again. And that's the way that we stay in it, by faith through grace. That's what we renew our mind to. It's not about my production. The cool thing is this. As we stay connected, you know, this week, as I was looking at all this, the Lord just took me in, the, in John 13, 14, and 15. And he, in John 13, 14, and 15, he just laid out for me so beautifully about a relationship and, and how important relationship is. And in that, because in 14, he talks about the Father and him and him and the Father. And in and, and 13, he said, that you'll, do you love one another? By this, men will know you're my disciples. 14, he talked about him and the Father. And he said, and I'm going, all this good stuff. And then in 15, he said, the way that it happens is just abide. Stay connected. And the fruit that, that Romans 12, 1 and 2 is talking about, that, that you prove that fruit that comes out of your life comes from being connected. You know, right now is an easy time. You don't even need a vivid imagination to see it right now because everything's blooming. Things that are connected to the ground, that are getting nutrients through the ground, they're popping up. Our hosta came up this week, and it just pushed the mulch out of the way. Just pushed it out of the way. Why? Because it had everything it needed to come out. And when the sun came out, it came out. <laughs> yeah, that's good. As you've received him, therefore walk in him. And so... If we, if, we, if we continue in the way we receive them, then what happens is we stay in faith and we receive it by grace, not by works. And so his life just begins to come out of us as fruit. Right? That's good news. He said this. Look, to verse 7. Rooted and built up in where? In him. Established in what? The faith. Just as you were taught. Abounding in what? Thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by what? Philosophy and empty deceit. Religion. Don't let anyone take you captive by religion. Just by doing something that's a good thing to do that has no life in it. Wow. Listen. According to human tradition, according, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. <laughs> Let me read that again. For in him the whole fullness of de deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God did what? Made alive together 
with him, having forgiving us, having forgiven. Is that past, present, or future? Past. 13. You who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision, like God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How many of them? All means all, and that's all all means. Having forgiven us all our trespasses. Why? Because he just overlooked them and he doesn't think sin's bad anymore? No. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Come on, somebody, if you didn't hear anything I said, you're righteous before God on a legal standing. It's not greasy grace. It's a legal standing because of what Jesus did. When he hung on that cross, he became sin that we could become righteousness. That's who we are. I spoke this week to a, at, at a senior center, and I think I upset some people because I said this. I said, we've got to get past where the traditions of man tell us who we are. I said, if you've all your life been told you're just an old sinner that's saved by grace, somebody has lied to you and told you a tradition that's not the truth of God. If you're an old sinner, get saved and you can become the righteousness of God. Wow. But through tradition, we think it's humble to say, I'm just an old sinner. No, it's ignorant. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. I didn't say you're ignorant. I said it's ignorant to say that I'm an old sinner because that sounds humble. That's the tradition of men. And he said that's what makes the word of God of no effect. It's when you put the tradition of man above the truth of God. Just like Josh, that, that vision that Josh had about the magician, once you know his trick, it loses its power. Once you know truth, the tricks of the enemy are exposed. He said he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, and he put, to them, he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in it, in the cross. So he put them to open. See, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, it was that legal thing that had to happen, innocent blood for the guilty. And once he did, it settled forever. He said, your trespasses are taken care of, all of them. He said, he has forgiven us all our trespasses. That's past, present, and future. He canceled it. Canceled. He stamped, canceled on it with his blood so that you could go forward as a son, as a daughter, as a child of God, heir and joint heir with him. Not because God just looked over, but because Jesus paid the price for all of it. That doesn't always look like what we expect it to look like. We still have this body that we, that we live in that's uh, an earthbound body. It came from the earth. It'll go back to the earth. We're going to get a glorified body. Hallelujah to the Lamb. But this body will respond to truth if we renew the key factor in between, and that's the soul, the mind, will, and emotion. We don't have to get God to heal us. We don't have to get God to work in our bodies. What we have to do is allow what's been placed in our spirit, man, to be released so that it affects the body that contains it. We just got to let it out. And how do we let it out? 
through the renewing of our mind. When we take the truth of the word of God over the lie of the enemy, that lie could be a symptom, it could be a checkbook, it could be a bill, it could be who knows what. But when we look at truth and we say, God, I believe your word over the lie of the enemy, which sometimes, listen to me, sometimes can be a fact. Because facts deal with the natural. doesn't mean that truth isn't factual. Don't get in the ditch. What it means is there are facts in this natural world that contradict truth, and you have to make a decision. Am I going to go with the facts or am I going to believe truth? And as we press into truth, it renews our mind. And when we renew, as we renew our mind, the fruit of that renewed mind releases the life of God. So we have to go back to not how do I feel, but what does his word say? And that's physically, that's emotionally, that's looking at your finances, that's everything. All, nothing is excluded because he said here that he canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, and he set them aside, nailing it to the cross, having disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them up to open shame by triumphing over them in it. As we press into relationship, and that just means to pursue it, actively pursue it. The life of that relationship, it said here that in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells. Some of it, all of it. The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him. And I know in this, cl- in this class, in this group, we're so smart that we understand that completely. Not, I do not understand that completely, that in him is all the fullness, and I'm filled with all the fullness. And things don't look like I think they should look. The reason is I'm not renewing my mind to the place to see what he says is truth so that that fullness can flow out of me. Because it'll flow. It will flow out. But we, through our soul, mind, are the gate that determines what flows out by our agreement, by what we make or who we make agreement with. 1 Peter 2, verse 1, says this, So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and all envying and slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. We started out talking about he's so good to me. And again, I shared this uh, the other week, two or three weeks ago, when I shared this verse, is that Peter is saying that uh, as we long for the truth of his word, we grow into, we grow up into salvation, deliverance, preservation, safety, and salvation. It's not saying that... uh, we grow up and we, that's the end result. It says that we grow up in it. So uh, he said this, verse 9, because you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, is that a fact of how everything looks in your life or is that the truth of the word of God that can't change? That you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's truth. Is it also fact? Absolutely. As a born-again believer, it's fact. Does that mean that all the fruit of that is being seen in your life right now? No, it doesn't. 
But the truth is this is who you are. So as we set our eyes on that, as Corinthians 3 says, we behold, as we behold him, we're transformed from glory to glory. The more we see him, the more of his glory is revealed through us. So we have to make a decision where we set our attention. In Genesis chapter 2, in, in the creation story, this was actually supposed to be my message today, but there's this one point I want to point out. In, in Genesis 2, verse 18, it's in all of creation. It's the only thing that God said wasn't good. You know what it was? That man should be alone. That's the only thing that God said wasn't good. He, he, he spoke to the to the air, and it was good, the light, and it came forth, and it was good, and he created man, it was good. But the thing he said it wasn't good was for man to, uh, to be alone. He said this in verse 18 of chapter 2 of Genesis. He said, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So as I read that and just meditated on that, the word that just kept jumping out to me is comparable. And here's what that word means in the Hebrew. It means someone immediately before him, someone to correspond with. It wasn't, he didn't have someone immediately before him that he could correspond with, that he could have relationship with. The Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. I got to just tell you this. The creation, Adam and Eve, Eve coming out of Adam, was just a type and a shadow of us coming out of Christ. See, when God made Adam, Eve was inside. <laughs> when God sent Jesus, we were inside. <coughs> Eve came from Adam's side. The church was birthed. When they pierce this side, blood and water come out. When a baby's born, what comes out? Blood and water. <laughs> so God said, I'm going to make Eve. I'm going to bring somebody out that can stand before you face to face that you can have relationship with. If that's a type and shadow, Jesus said, I'm going to die on the cross because I've got somebody in me that's got to come out. Because when they come out, they'll stand before me face to face. Come on. <laughs> come on. Jesus. Wow. Not based on what they did, but on what I'm doing. Eve didn't do anything. She was just in there. Colossians 2 said that all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily, and we're full in. You know why we're full in him? Because that's where we came from. Man, I hope y'all get it, because I got it. We're complete in Him. And as that becomes truth to us, we're not just an old this or an old that, waiting for Him to come rescue us from this wicked, wicked world. We are a light that shines in darkness. We have authority over all the work of the enemy. 